The Beaux-Arts Photography Podcast with Alan and Natalie Brio. So today we are going to talk about art. And in particular, one of the things we are going to talk about is what is art? And of course, it's a question that a lot of photographers have because art is by nature a concept that is very difficult to define. It is. It's undefinable in many ways. Some people say that you know it's art when you see it. But I think we want to go beyond that. And we've been talking about how to answer this question for some time. And one angle that we found is actually because of a document that you unearthed out of your, let's say, treasure trove of uh, teaching material. Yes. (laughs) Well, what happened is in my art classes, I started to understand that art meant something different to everyone. So one day as they came into the room, I just asked them the simple question, what is art? And I had everybody write down what art meant for them or to them. But the important piece of information that you forget here is who your students were and (laughs) where you were teaching. Right. So these are Navajo students, and art is a very big part of their culture, so they're surrounded by art. Um, They have at least one family member making a living doing art, whether that's rug weaving or silversmithing or can be a a kachina making, all sorts of different things, painting, drawing, So, um, and they love art. And that's when you were teaching art in Chinle, and that was what kind of age group? Uh, This was my regular art class, and so I just asked all of my regular art classes, you know, what is art? And that was the first exercise we did when they walked into the room. And then we had a discussion, and we went over everybody's answers. But what group were they? What age? Oh, seventh grade, seventh and eighth grade. So 13, 14. Sometimes I had a 15 year old in there. Yeah, and I think that's an important piece of information because of the kind of answers that we gave you, which to me are beyond a 12 year old for many ways. Well, and I was very shocked because I thought these were adult answers. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I was I yeah. was very impressed. Navajo children and know more about art than most people. Oh, yeah. I mean, most adults, at least, you know, Anglo adults. Right. And, and that was surprising. You know? Oh, it was very surprising. Yeah. And I thought, wow. And that's know. what makes this uh, podcast so interesting. It's the kind of answers that you got. And we're going to look at them right away. And we may not be able to go through all of them today. And if so, then we'll have a second episode because we have a total of 17 answers. Yes, because some of them were were redundant, you know, as I went through all the classes. But the 17 here are not redundant. No, they are not. So we have 17 answers. And what we're going to do is we're going to read the answers, which are, you know, basically one-liners. And then we'll talk about it. And we may not go through the whole thing before... You know, this hour is over because our podcast on average lasts 30 minutes to an hour. And we definitely don't want to make it longer than that. And so if we don't have time to go through all of it, then we'll make a second episode. Right. And the only thing, other thing 
I think I just need to add is that they only had like five minutes to answer this question. <laughs> it wasn't. It, yeah. It's not like you know we right. pondered this yeah. for eighty-five minutes in class. Right. Right. Yeah. This was a very quick activity. The very beginning of you know just pretty much after they took their seats and I took roll call. It helps to know that because they did not really have time to think about they it. They did it. So they knew. They knew ahead of time. They had an answer that came right out. Either they had thought about it before or it was sort of within them. Right? Well, I wanted a spontaneous right. response from them. I didn't want one, you know, that we were pondering and thinking about no, for a I, while. I understand, but we've asked that question during workshops to students and we did not give them any more time because we don't have the time right. on workshops. We have to move on. But they did not come up with that kind of answer at all. No. So this shows that these students of yours were intimately familiar with art, that art is part of your life. Yes, you know. It so is. let's look at some of the answers. And uh, the question is, what is art? And you'll read the answers because they are your students. So what is art? So the first one is, art is when you create. And that's a very good answer because it defines art as being an activity. Yes. It's not an abstract concept. It's not just whatever you think. It's not just you know it when you see it. If you don't create, it's not art. And that means that this is a definition that applies to the artist himself right. or herself. Right. right. So art is actually defined by the artist. If you're not creative, then it's not art. Those are the implications, right? Right. And so how do you know that you make art? Because you create. Right. right. If you're creative, then you're an artist. So there's all these built-in concepts within that answer. How do you see art is when you create? What would you say about it? Well, this particular student I remember, and uh, it was a boy, uh-huh. and uh, he was really good in art, and he loved art. And so for me, when this was his answer, I thought it just made sense. Right. You that know, was that him. He was him with him. He was talking yeah. about himself. Yeah. And I think what he did was is he uh, saw himself as an artist, and this is what it meant for him. Right. That makes sense. So for you, these answers are personal because you know the students. Yes. For me, they are just answers that I have to explain because you don't know the students. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. But it's definitely an answer that makes sense in the context of the artist. It's not an answer that talks about other people. No. It doesn't say what art is for other people. It doesn't say what art is for a museum. It just says what art is for an artist. Right. You know. And for them, yeah. for them personally. And I think that it's a very honest answer. Oh, it is. And it all is. of these answers actually are very honest. They are very well, direct. My uh, students were very honest. Well, you, you kept know. them that way. <laughs> what? <laughs> you kept them that way. I did. But I mean, they're just, um, they're just very sweet and, and very honest. They, they don't lie. Right. doesn't matter how bad the situation is. They will always tell you the truth. So let's look at number two. What is it? So this one was interesting because this is from a girl. And so she said, art is created by human hands. So I was like, whoa. (laughs) Okay. And I was like, well, why would she say that? (laughs) It's a little surprising. It is. And I was thinking like, well, what does she mean by that? You know, by human hands. Is she talking about like, because animals don't create art, you know, because they have a lot of stories with animals and their belief system and stuff. And I thought, why is she so specific that it's human hands? So how did you explain it? 
I don't know. I think that was just her. Right. But know? I think to um, me, a number of answers is that first, art is not made by a machine. If oh, yes. There you go. You yes. cannot buy art made by yes. a machine. So, yes. of course, that brings into question art that is made by machines. You know, So if you make art with a camera, is that a machine? If you print your photographs with a printer the way we do, is that a machine, right? Or is right. there still the human hand somewhere in there, right? And Navajos are not really big on photography. They are not. Yeah. No, they so, aren't. And one of the ways that we explain that is it is a very technological medium. It's expensive. Buying a camera, buying a computer, buying a printer, all of that is very expensive. They tend to use mediums that are inexpensive, you know, painting on rocks. You just need some acrylic paints and then find a rock somewhere in the canyon that's flat and you just paint on it. You know? Right. But even the rug weaving, if they have their own sheep and they're shearing the right. sheep and, and yeah. dyeing the uh, wool with natural right. dyes and cleaning it with the yucca soap. Right. And, and even if you have to buy the wool, it's not that expensive. It it's isn't. $7 a pound, I think. And a pound of wool is a lot of wool. Oh, yeah. We saw that video not so, too long ago about you know, that. Yes. I, I mean, remember. you wouldn't need 100 pounds of wool. You wouldn't need 10 pounds of wool. It depends, of course, on the rug size. But painting, rug weaving, you know, carving. I mean, look at Kachina carving. They go down a canyon, find a cottonwood tree, cut a piece of the root of the cottonwood, and then carve with handmade knives, basically, you know. Or Or even just exacto knives Exacto knives, you know, files. I mean, they don't have electric tools. They don't have specialized knives for carving. They don't buy books, to train them. They watch other artisans or other artists' work, and that's how they learn. So we are looking at a very low-cost activity because they don't have much money. And so it makes sense that they don't do photography that much because it's a very expensive process. However, you know, whether or not photography is made by human hands or not, I would say that a Navajo would probably say, you know, once you explain how you do what we do, that it is made by human hands, but that a machine is involved, right? Right. And that, in a sense, it's not all that different from a rug. A machine is involved, um, a loom, right? The loom being the machine. Well, and even uh, when they do silversmithing and uh, the sterling silver beadwork is right. all handmade. It's all, all handmade, but then machines are involved, you know, welding, uh, set up, you know, there is right. uh, a polishing mach- machine. So machines are going to come up in the creation of a work of art, you know, Somewhere down the line. Somewhere down the line. And so I think that what we are looking at is the concept that eventually a human hand is in control. Right. Is in the creative process. Right. But it also controls the creative process. Right. As opposed to giving a machine machine a job and then you just press go and the machine does everything. Right. 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 Which would be the case, for example, if you make a carving with a laser cutter, for example, you know, or a 3D printing machine, right? At what point, you know, do we get into a situation where it's a machine, you know? And it, it's obviously open-ended, but I think that's what she's going after, you know? Right. Another possible angle is that works of art are not created by the gods. They are not created by deities. And the Navajos have all sort of beliefs and all sort of myths, right. a lot of them being creation myths about where they came from, about what happened to their tribe over the years in the past, you know, concepts of emergence and whatnot. If you take what she says literally, gods cannot create art. Right, that's right? true. Only human hands, so the hands of a deity couldn't create art. Right. 
which I would say is the second concept, you know. So art is the expression of a human being. It's not the expression of a machine, and it's not the expression of a deity. Mm-hmm. That's what I see. And of course, all of this is very open-ended, and you know, if you have different ideas on what it means, email us. <laughs> you know, right. let us know. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. let us know. We're interested. This is our take, and between the two of us. So what's the next one? What's number three? Uh, the next one is art is a different way of seeing and thinking. And I think that primarily was taking out of my direct teaching what they experienced in class. Because I would tell them that anybody could learn how to draw. It's just that I need to teach you how to see all over again. Mm-hmm. And then once I taught them how to see again, then I was saying... Just do whatever you want. Now it's your turn to think mm. about or do whatever you want to. So regards. this is something that we learn from you, while the two others are is something that they came with, right? Yes. And that I, they had within them Yeah, before. this is after taking my right, class for, yeah, for a yeah. while. And that's basically, while. obviously said in a different way, but that's basically what we teach students during workshop, which is you want to be unique, right? right. That's how it will translate. You want to have a personal style. And the only way to have a personal style is to see differently, to have a different way of seeing, and, of course, to think differently. Because you can't just create a different photograph by, you know, an act of God. I mean, you have to think about it. Right. And I think that's very often, that's something that's missing in some of the students that we have on workshops, is they don't realize the importance of thinking. And I always tell them the story of one of my teachers who did not photograph for one year, and I mentioned to him that I was very surprised that he hadn't photographed for one year. And he said, well, I did not photograph for one year, but I thought about it. I thought of photography every single day. Right. And that goes a long way towards making changes in your work and getting to the next step, whatever that might be. Well, and then when I set up still lifes in my class for drawing and painting, if you're not really looking at the objects in front of you, and they love to draw Coca-Cola bottles, mm-hmm. so I always they make did. sure it's I have several, <laughs> several of them, you know, at a table because they just love drawing them so much. But if they weren't really observing the shapes of the objects, you may just draw the bottom of the Coca-Cola bottom as a straight line. Mm-hmm. And so then I would come around and I would say look at this beautiful curve here. Do you see that beautiful line right here, this beautiful curve? Mm -hmm. And then I would show her how to get the thickness of Mm -hmm. the bottle, which means you just go up a little, you know, a half an inch or whatever, and draw the same exact line again. Mm -hmm. So that gives the bottle the thickness. And then you have the beautiful designs, you know, the lines inside the glass bottle. So you were teaching them how to see. I was teaching them how to see. And I remember one of my male Navajo students looked at me and he was listening to this conversation (laughs) that I was having and he looks over and he goes Brio it's just a bottle (laughs) and he just smiled you know what I mean but he really liked it but what it's not just a bottle no it's more than a bottle it is it is and so um but that was what I was trying to teach Mm -hmm. them you know and if we were doing perspective like drawing the art room in perspective or the hallways in perspective, I would always tell them to look at the floor or look at the ceiling because that would tell them which way all the lines were moving, whether they were vertical or horizontal. Right. Yeah, no, that's very interesting. I mean, and and really, I think they learned a lot from what you were doing. 
But the other thing that this means is a commentary on what art is. Because when we buy art, obviously art that is interesting is art that is surprising. It is. And if it is surprising, it's because it demonstrates a different way of seeing, a different way of thinking. Right. And any form of art. I mean, we collect jewelry and some of the jewelry that we have is interesting because of the way the artist thought of a piece of jewelry. You know, different colors, different shapes, different concepts, different ways of really understanding what jewelry is. Right. You know. Well, going back to the still lifes, some of them would get stressed out in the very beginning because they felt they have to draw every single object that was on the center of their table. But so I started to pass around viewfinders. And my only rule was that the drawing had to touch three sides of the paper. Right. And I said, just compose, you know, using the viewfinder, whatever interests you, whatever part Mm -hmm. of the still life that you find interesting. And that was when I really started to get some really beautiful drawings because it was, again, teaching them a different way of seeing without seeing the whole entire object, just seeing parts of objects together. And so that was another way of teaching them how to see. Yeah, well, you were teaching them how to see, but I think also you were generating creativity because creativity, unlike what a lot of people think, is generated by putting limitations on what you can do. And we face that a lot during workshops where people, when you teach them to focus on a particular subject or work on a project as opposed to photographing everything that catches their eye, their immediate reaction, you know, beginners that is, is, oh, I don't want to limit my creativity. Right. But what they don't understand is that by reducing the amount of subject matter that you can reproduce, in your case, using a viewfinder to crop a little piece out of the whole scene on the table, you generate a higher level of creativity. Right. Because you're not creative when you can do anything you want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you tend to do whatever when you have that situation. You become creative when you set limitations to what you can do. Right. And I always give the example of the engineer that is given an assignment to create a machine. It can be anything he wants. There's no limit as to how much time he can use to create that machine. There's no limit to the budget. Any amount of money will be available to him. That machine can be as big as he wants. It can use as much electricity that he wants. It can be as complex as he wants. It can be used in any sort of activity as he wants. And what is that engineer going to do? They're going to sit at their table, put their head in their hand, and then think, my God, what do I do? Right. right? Because if anything is possible, what are we going to do? Where do we start? Mm-hmm. Right? And you compare that with another engineer who is given a completely different assignment, and that assignment is like this. We want a machine that's going to do this. For example, it will be designed to pump water, maybe a new water pump, and we need it in two weeks, and you have $500 to make it, and it should fit into this box because it has to be portable, and it should use no more than a few kilowatts of electricity, and we have a very limited budget, and it has to be portable, and on and on and on. And what does that engineer do? He immediately goes to the drawing boards, and he starts working. Right. Because creativity is generated by the limitations that you have to work with. Right. And that's a basic concept. And so by telling students, okay, take this viewfinder and use only a small piece of the whole scene and have the object touch every side of the frame, you immediately limit what they can do. They can't draw everything. No. And immediately they are. 
creative. Right. And it's exactly the same as photographers that take our workshops to which we do. Okay, we don't want you to photograph everything. We want you to work on a project. So you're going to start by defining what that project is, how long, how many photographs, what subject matter, you know, what size print, whether it's going to be black and white and color, you know, on and on and on, what equipment you're going to do, how much money you're going to spend, and then get them to work. Right. And immediately we have them go beyond the kind of photograph they were making before. Yes. Because they have limitations. So this little quote on art is actually extremely powerful. Yes, it is. And we've only gone through three definitions. No, no. We'll Well, definitely have to do more than one podcast. And during this still life uh, drawing, I had lamps and turned off the overhead lights so that they could see the shadows Mm. because it was getting them to draw three-dimensional objects that are on the table on a two-dimensional surface, but then they have to recreate the three-dimensionality in their the artwork, depth, yeah. the depth yeah. again, to make them look round. Yeah. And, Which is not and very stuff. different from photography. You no, know, photographers it's... think that because they took a photo, depth is there, and unfortunately it's not. No. And they say, what do you mean it's not? And I say, well, no. Let's take one simple example, the Grand Canyon. That has to be one of the most photographed places on Earth. It is definitely deep. So depth is there, one mile deep, 5,000 feet. Can't say that it's not deep. And yet, count how many photographs show the place completely flat. Right. I mean, there's nothing easier than that. Most people would go to the Grand Canyon, bring photographs that show no depth whatsoever. Right. Yeah, of course, they photograph it at the wrong time, middle of the day. But then if they photograph it at sunrise or sunset, then you have deep shadows and you can't see the bottom. Right. <laughs> so the problem isn't exactly showing up at sunrise or sunset or at other times. It's actually a problem of what are you going to do with the file? Yes. How are you going to prepare that file so that it prints with a sense of depth? Right. And, and that's where the art comes from. You yeah. Know? I had uh, one male student that was very good at drawing. So he came up to me and he says, you know... I already know how to do all of this. <laughs> I know how to shade. I know, I know how to draw. Can I be excused? <laughs> so I said to him, I said, ah. I said, but the question is, do you know how to shade using stippling lines or crosshatching lines? And he, and didn't, he said, what do you mean? <laughs> he didn't know. And so I showed him an examples. Right. Like stippling, if you have a lighter shadow, the dots are further apart. As they come closer together, the shadow gets darker. I showed him lines, you know, how to follow the curve of the objects with larger spaces between the lines. And then as the shadow gets darker, the lines get closer and closer together. Sometimes they're single lines, sometimes they're cross-hatching. All I did was show him examples and I, I didn't see this kid, I swear, for almost two weeks. He was gone. Because he, on it. he was in his own world doing his own stippling and cross-hatching, and he was just gone. Well, he needed a challenge, maybe. <laughs> he did. I mean, what he was telling you is, I'm bored, right? Right. I'm going to be bored in this Well, class, he no? needed a, a challenge. Uh, he did. Yeah. And fortunately, I just, uh, from college, because I was saying, you know, even though they're 13 years old, I'm thinking, oh, gosh, what did we do in college when we finished shading and I thought he's got to do stippling well, he and cross hatching. He, he was, was advanced. he yeah. was very well yeah. advanced. Yeah. And so then this is the interesting thing. Not only did he draw the still lifes in the class, but then he went home and he started setting up his own still lifes. And yeah. he would do pen and ink <laughs> drawings and he would come in and show me yeah. and he would mat them yeah. and he would show me and he would sign them. Wow. That's yeah. pretty wild. It and was. He, he came to class also? Oh yeah. 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 
He came in with Well, his... he had become an artist. I mean, he was oh, studying. He, he you think, would, that's why think I said he now? was gone. What do you think he's doing now? I would say with this particular student that he's doing some kind of art in yeah. some form because he just loved it so much and his mother encouraged him. Right, that's important. He already had a, a career, you know. Yeah. I mean, as a student, you know, at 12 years old or, or 13 years old. Yeah. yeah. So let's look at the next one. And obviously, we're not going to be able to do all okay, 17. So the next one we have is number four, art is how people express themselves non-verbally. Yeah, that's an interesting one because Hemingway would not be happy, right? <laughs> <laughs> Neither would Faulkner and yes. uh, to say nothing of Shakespeare. And, uh, what about music? Yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> you know, uh, that you takes know, the yeah, musicians uh, right out. <laughs> a lot of musicians, we're not going to name it, it would be very um, puzzled as to what, you know. Um, but, you know, music can be said to be nonverbal, right? I mean, if you don't sing, right? Right. But I right. think one thing that we have to keep in mind that this is said by Navarro students. That's important. But one thing that that might mean for that particular culture is that storytelling is not an art form because they tell a lot of stories, but it's not an art form. Right. You see? Yes. Because we tend to think of fiction writing as being an art form, and I think it is indeed. You know, if you read Hemingway, you know, if you read Faulkner, if you read any writer that's creating fiction, obviously it's an art form, and even non-fiction would be an art form. Right. But for a culture that is basically very new to the written form, I mean, the Navajo language was made a written language by white people, essentially, and that doesn't even go back 50 years. They might not consider storytelling an art form. It's just an activity, right? It's culture. It's not yeah, art, right? It's, yeah, it's culture. Oh, I it's think myth. It's mythology. Well, also. it's that, but, and also lessons to be learned. And lessons to be learned. So it's a yes. teaching tool. It's a teaching tool, yes. I remember in Ontario, we went to a place. It was a state park called the Teaching Rock, you know, which was a very large set of petroglyphs on the ground, on granite boulders on the ground. And it was called the Teaching Rock because the rock would be covered with leaves and uh, the elders would take the younger ones to the rock and then uncover areas of the rock that had particular drawings with particular meaning and teach them what these uh, drawings meant. And they would uncover different types of drawings at different times depending on what they wanted to teach. Right. right. And so it's not art, right? It's for them. It's a teaching tool. It's a cultural thing. It's a way to share the mythologies, right. the stories. And I think that that's how you have to read it. You know? right. Because obviously for us, well, we consider writing to be an art form. Mm -hmm. But there's no real record until modern times of Navajos creating art in the form of literature, and that's because there is no literature. We have no written record of anything right. from Native Americans, whether they're historic or prehistoric, right? Yeah. It started now, you know. Right, right. I mean, now we have Native American writers, you mm -hmm. know. One is M. Scott Mummaday is one of them, you know. But uh, that's only very, very recent. Right. Well... What's interesting is that when they worked on activities, whether it was drawing or painting, sometimes they wanted me to read to them. And it's really interesting because you'd have a class of 30, 32 students, and if I was reading poetry or story or whatever, nobody would be talking. Right. 
It's meditative know, for them they just, to listen. They, um, well, yeah. one of the things with Navajo students is that they listen. They do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they do. It's not always and they the don't case. Forget. And they yes, don't forget. And they yeah. don't forget. But that's how they learn. Yes. They learn by listening. They are very um, and watching because they're watching. visual. Yeah. They, yeah. Your students would tell you, "Just show me." Yeah. And they wouldn't really be in. Because sometimes they said that my words would confuse them, so sometimes right. they would say, "Shh." Yeah. Just do it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe they couldn't watch and and listen at the same time, you know, because of the two different messages, like you say. You know, yeah, it, it's not that they couldn't understand both, but it's just that they wanted to just watch you. you know? Yeah, I think yeah. so, and not be confused by the words. Yeah, you know? yeah. I think sometimes yeah. the the yeah, like you said, both was too much. Sometimes they yeah. had to just you know. Well, and also they don't really learn from listening; they learn from watching. They do. You know, they do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of them learn painting from watching others. I've talked to a painter, an Navajo painter at Spider Rock once, and he told me that the way he learned is by watching the landscape. Right. He never actually watched anybody paint. That's what he was saying. Right. I asked him, I said, well, don't you have a family member? I don't know if you remember, that was a long time ago. I said, don't you have a family member that's a painter? He says, well, my brother sort of paints a little bit, but I never really saw him paint. You know, right. He, he had right. learned by watching the landscape. Yeah. <laughs> Why not, right? You know, I mean. So, what is the next one? Art is imagining images in your head. Ah, that's a very creative one. Yeah. They are very good at that yeah. too. Yeah, it's basically a vision. And the question I would right. have sometimes, if I had an assignment, is, "Can I draw from my head?" Ah, yeah. And what did you or say? Or from my imagination, I would say, "Yes, it's yeah. your artwork, and yeah. you decide." I mean, why couldn't you? Right? It's an interesting question. Why? Why did they even ask? Oh, because they did not want to just draw what was in front of them, right? Well, they just wanted to make sure that they had that permission. But when? What kind of assignment did they have when they asked that question? Um, for that particular assignment, it wasn't still life drawing right. because that's you know right in front of them. I think it had to do with some sort of a, a painting assignment oh. or. Maybe even some sort of abstract or surrealism or right. uh, could have been one of those hmm. instances. So did you have a subject that they could draw and paint? or For surrealism yeah. or for... No, they had to create their own. So they had to imagine something. They did have to imagine something. Because what yeah. this means is that for that person, art is a vision that you mm -hmm. have in your head. You mm -hmm. know, you imagine something, you see an image in your head. Well, and some of them were, when they did that one assignment for surrealism, they were looking for images in magazines, mm -hmm. more oh, doing, right. doing more like collaging right. kind of things. And so some of them wanted to know if they could uh, do something out of their head as opposed to finding pictures in magazines or whatnot, right. which, of course, the answer is yes. You can do yeah. anything you want well, as yeah. long as it's surrealism. Who cares? Yeah. Or expressionism, or whatever the unit was at yeah, that time. The assignment was surrealism, not a yeah. particular way. So of doing whether it. you draw it or find pictures right. or whatever, it, it doesn't matter. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But it definitely is about vision, and that is something which is very difficult for photographers because photography tends to really focus on what's in front of you, in front of the lens, and not so much on what's in your head. Mm -hmm. And the difference, or one of the differences between art and documentation is that documentation is literally what's in front of you, what's in front of the lens, and art is what's in your mind, right. what's in your head. Right. And I still remember one of my students, Tyra Tilden, for Surrealism. She found this little guy that was rappelling down this huge <laughs> rope, right? 
then at the base, she had this huge flower that was open. Oh, wow. And he was repelling. Into the flower. Into the flower. <laughs> and I thought, such a simple concept here. Yeah, but, but it's but very I thought, imaginative. But I thought, yeah. she nailed it. Right, yeah. She knew exactly. It really what, takes your attention. It does. Yeah. It, it triggers and imagination. It does. Yeah. And they loved yeah. those kind of assignments right, where yeah. they could just go off and do their own thing or find things. or They're very creative. And we dream, a lot of Native Americans have their ideas come to them in dreams. They you know, do. The power of dream is very important for them. We don't do that so much. You know, I don't think it's in our DNA, perhaps. But Native Americans, when you ask them, how did you come up with that idea? Very often they'll tell you, you know, I had a dream and a dream. I saw it in a dream, you know, and uh, it's sort of puzzling to me because you're like, how does that work? But that's the way it works for them. Right. You know, and they're not lying. That's the way it is. So we can go through one more, but I, I think we should really do at least two episodes and maybe three because we're only at number five here. Well, I think we should do one or two more concepts. The next two are pretty, I thought, were very important because I didn't think of this. Right. Art is a part of me. Okay. Uh, but which means that it's something essential. Right. Right. We are not complete if we don't make art, mm -hmm. at least if you consider yourself an artist. An artist is not complete if you don't make art. Which brings the whole concept of retiring as an artist, you know, very interesting, you know. I was talking to somebody this morning, and he did not quite get the concept that artists don't retire. And so I said, well, I mean, what's your favorite um, musician? And I think he liked country music. So I said, well, how would you like to hear that uh, Willie Nelson retired? Right. <laughs> you know, and he really got ticked off at that. It bothered him. He's, wow. he's like, oh, I, I wouldn't like it. I said, bingo. Artists have an in-depthness to their audience. Right. We have a depth to repay the audience. And that depth is that the audience gives us attention. They support our efforts, whether by listening, watching, or buying what we do. And we must repay that debt. And how do we repay it? Well, we just create. <laughs> you <know>? Right. <laughs> and if an artist retires and says, you know, I'm done, I'm, I'm not interested in creating anymore, and they are fully able to continue creating, then... The contract is broken, in a way. Right. The debt is not repaid. Right. right. And that's really an important thing because a lot of people, when it comes to retirement, they think, well, you know, I did a job for 30 years or 40 years or however long they did it, and, uh, you know, I'm done now. But artists are not done. This is not a job that you do for 40 years and then you're done. Right. Because there's no destination. Art is a journey, not a destination. We, we don't know where we're going to get. Right. People are like, you know, what, what's going to be your next project? I don't know. I don't know until I start, right? We are always trying to achieve something better than the time before, more faithful to our vision, you know, go further. But we really don't know how far we can go. Right. And so the whole concept of uh, being done is referring to art. It is. To put it simply. So let, let's do the next one. Art is remembering. That one... I never would have come up with. Yeah, because it's not really why we do art, right? Right. Yeah. But for them, yeah. But it I mean, is again, important. definitely for Native American, remembering is very important. It is very important. It's what we call a mnemonic device, you know, a device that triggers your memory. But I wouldn't go as far as to say, by any means, that memory is not important in Western culture. Because if you look at Proust, you know, Marcel Proust, which is a very important writer, his whole body of work, his whole writing is about memory. Right. It's, you know, it's the most famous work, Remembrance of Things Past, which is how 
do we live with memories? Not just what we remember, but how do we live with them? Right. What importance do they have and how do they change? And how do they shape our understanding of the present and the future? Mm-hmm. You know? Because I think that in the case of Native Americans, memory is where they come from. Right. The mythology, right? It is. And their culture. But also, like in rug weaving and stuff, they don't draw anything out on paper. Right. Yeah, there's so no drawing. Yeah. All of that is remembering the designs in your mind. Yeah. Everything takes place in their mind. I mean, not only do they not have a, a design, but I tell you what, if I was doing rug weaving, and we've seen a lot of Navajos weave, I would definitely have a notepad, and I would be counting the threads, and I would be oh, taking sh- notes. I put 10 on one side, i got to put 10 on the other. They don't do that. No. They count 10 on one side, 10 on the other, and then hundreds of other numbers in between, and everything is perfect. I know. And how do I you know. do it? And it lines up line. right to left, and it lines <laughs> up top to bottom, and it's impeccable. I know. You know? But how about when they do the pictorial ones with right. wagons and sheep and people and hogans? And it's, it's in like, how, Where do you even start well, how, on that What one? about sand paintings? Right. Which we'll not see. only are more complex very often than rugs, but absolutely cannot be drawn for religious reasons because right. there cannot be a record. A real sand painting is destroyed after the ceremony is it over. It is, by the medicine man. By the medicine man. So right. you cannot keep a record of it in any way, shape, or form. How do they remember, right? So right. there's something in their DNA that is about memory. Right. And one thing we know about Navajos is they never forget a face. We've just came back from Navajo land a couple of weeks ago, and we saw someone that we hadn't seen for how long? 15 years? Since we left, 15 years. 15 years. Jared. And he saw us as I drove by in the truck, and your window was rolled down, which is why he saw you. Right, and you pointed to them. Because we were just goofing up. and um, They were being silly. (laughs) Funny, what we were doing was was sort of funny, you know. And he saw us, and he came running to the truck, and he looked at us, and he knew who we were, and he called us by our name, and then he said, I never forget a face. Yes. I mean, we're not like that. No. We forget. I mean, we forget not only their face, but we forget their name, or we forget how to say their name, or we forget where we met them. And it comes back to us, you know, over time, but it's not like... Right. Like them, you know. Right. They remember how to pronounce my name. Oh, yes. Which a lot of yes. people can't even pronounce it right, let alone remember. Right. You know? Well, he looked at me and he said, you're married to the photographer. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I said, I know. yes, your husband is the photographer. I, I said, know. yes, he is. And I told yeah. him that he had a very good memory. And he looked at me and says, yes, memory. And that's what yeah. it's all about. Yeah. That art is memory, you know. It is. That creating art is being able to not only see something in your mind, but remember it and not forget it, you know. That, yeah. So it's really definitions of art that we can all benefit from. But there are also definitions of art that are highly cultural, that are essential to the Navajo culture. Right. So we are learning from the Navajo culture, not just what is art, but how we see art, how we perceive art, mm-hmm. what art means to them, right? Right. And I think we should uh, maybe stop for today and then start again. And we're at what now, number seven? No, we'll be starting with number eight. So on we, the next we are podcast. done with number seven, so we'll start with number eight. And we can probably, like I said, do a second episode and go from eight to 17 and uh, cut this discussion about what is art in two episodes at least. Oh, uh, yeah. And, I know. think two would be fine because yeah. some of these other ones are a little bit shorter. Right. 
And we're getting tired. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> no, we're not. But we want to keep the length of the podcast manageable. Yes. Also. I like the idea. So we're going to stop here. We've gone through one, two, seven. Let's read them one by one. And then we'll end the podcast for now. Do you want to read one and I read another? Yes. Okay. So what is art? Art is when you create. Art is created by human hands. Art is a different way of seeing and thinking. Art is how people express themselves non-verbally. Art is imagining images in your head. Art is a part of me. Art is remembering. Thank you. I think that's a very nice discussion on art. And we'll stop from now and we'll start again on the next episode with number 8 to 17. So thank you again for listening and we'll be there on the next episode with more about what is art.